we are considering for one or two of these Sunday mornings some of the lessons that may be learned from the construction and various features described in the book of Exodus particularly of the tabernacle and its ministry. And this morning we are going to consider particularly uh, if, we, if we may the purpose and object of the showbread which is mentioned. Now first of all the very centre and final object of the tabernacle was that altar and mercy seat within the holiest of all to which the high priest went once a year not without blood. That was the centre. But there was an approach to it. In fact, there was a curtain wall round it to keep it separate from the rest of contact with the outside. And then there was also an approach because there was a holy place before the holiest. And you couldn't get to the holiest of all without going through the holy place. So that while you put the holiest of all as the supreme final stage, You'd never get that supreme final stage if you bypassed or attempted to do without that which led up to it. So you see, whatever the showbread and the lampstand and the office of the priest may be in the entrance of the tabernacle, it was all a part of the great purpose which finally focused on the one act of the high priest once a year. Retranslating this thought into modern terms, the one that matters to us is Christ, the right hand of God where he represents his people and manifests that he died for us as the one supreme atonement, manifested in that type of the, or of the ark in the holiest of all. But on the other hand, God has been pleased to grant that he shall entrust to folks like you and me the blessed opportunity and obligation of making known that work. For it's one thing for Christ to be at the right hand of God. It's another thing for somebody down here to know anything about it. And so we get the combination of the work, the supreme work of the Son of God, which cannot be interfered with or supplemented by anything we do, and nevertheless, the fact that God has been pleased to grant that there should be some fellowship between you and me and the sublime high priest of our high calling. And I feel that in some measure, we can learn a little lesson from this showbread, which is in this uh, entrance into the tabernacle. In the 26th chapter of Exodus, verses 23 to 30, we have a reference to these um, loans. I don't want to read the whole thing, but you have in... Uh, where did we get a, a little bit about it? What number? Chapter 25. Oh, chapter 25. Oh, I walk the beam of it. 
Well, you are, that's what I say. We all help one another, don't we? Yeah. Now, where does it come about these... Uh, oh, it's in verse uh, 23, is it? Yes, I think it is. It says in verse... Uh, we have a candlestick in the verse 31. And we have, later on, not only the lighting of the lamps, but we also have on this this holy table, this, uh, with its um, covering with gold, the um, showbread, which uh, is a part of our study for this morning. The word show is the best they could do, I suppose, in English, uh, but the actual word is the word of faith. The bread of faith. And the faith is very often particularly emphasised as the individual person. Now these twelve loaves, they cannot represent Christ and his finished work. For Christ and his finished work is inside beyond all this. This has to do with service. The priest goes in continuously this part of the way. And then the high priest, once a year, goes right past them all to the climax. Now, what would these, um, these uh, loaves represent? I think you'll find there's also, associated with them, a drink offering. And it may be good for us to notice that this drink offering has a reference to our epistle, or is referred to in our epistles, Philippians 2 and 2 Timothy 4. So would you just look at that? Philippians 2 and see what is in mind when it speaks about a drink offering. Philippians 2.17 He says in verse 26, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither laboured in vain. So he's dealing with service, running and labouring. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Now that word offered is this word which we find in the Old Testament if I be poured out as a drink offering. He says, I'm not a sacrifice for your sin. God forbid. There's one sacrifice for sins forever accomplished and never can be, as it were, altered or added to. But I can follow in the steps of that great, voluntary, wondrous, gracious work of Christ. And if needs be in his service, if I'm poured out like a drink offering, I rejoice because I'm in his uh, for following in his steps. And then again, we have in 2 Timothy 4, 6, a repeat of this expression. Shall we get that too? 2 Timothy 4, 6. Two Timothy 4, 6. He says, um, verse 5, Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. So you notice I have an easy time do the work of an evangelist. 
he seems to think if you're going to do the work of an evangelist and preach this gospel to the world as it is, you won't have an easy time. But he goes on to say, make full proof of my ministry. Now he gives his own example. For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith and so on. So he's dealing with faithful ministry. And he says, I am now ready to be poured out as a drink offering. Now you say, how do you get that? Well, I get that because I look at the word that's used by the Apostle Paul. I go to the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible and I find the self-same word is used there. And as the Apostle so often quotes the Greek version of the Old Testament, I'm perfectly certain he was doing it on purpose. So now, if you've got in your mind the tabernacle, there is a, an approach to it in the outside part of it, or shall I say the first tabernacle, into which the priest went every day accomplishing the service of God, where there was this table and the twelve loaves and the putting on of the um, spices and so on, and then the lighting of the candlestick. Now that's service. That's daily service. And then once a year beyond the great service and ministry of the high priest. So what seems to me to be the point for us is to discover if there's any help for us in this table of showbread. Now why twelve loaves? Why not have one loaf or six or seven or something? Well, you couldn't belong to the people of Israel without realising that twelve is particularly associated with them. The twelve apostles of the Lamb, the twelve tribes of the, of the people of Israel. And instead of those loaves representing Christ, the bread of life, they are in the atmosphere of service and they represent the whole of the twelve tribes of Israel in connection with the service of the tabernacle. Can you now understand why we read in connection with Exodus the passage in Ephesians that belongs to us endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace? Every time that priest went in to accomplish the service of God he had to be sure that there were twelve loaves on that holy table. And unless the twelve were there, he couldn't go on, for that would be breaking the procedure. It's a word for us, I think, that unity in witness is a very essential feature. We are members of the body of Christ. And that figure is also emphasising the unity. If one member suffer, all suffer. And one member may be doing a very inconspicuous piece of work. But if you let the surgeon have his way and cut it out, you suddenly find you wish he hadn't. And they're coming to that, of course, in the medical world. There are some organs of the body that they say they don't know what they do, but they don't interfere with them now, like they used to. You may be one of those organs of the body that nobody quite knows what you do, except the Lord who keeps you and preserves you, and may he keep us, even in this faith, that while we cannot save ourselves, 
Well, we cannot make the unity of the Spirit. We can, by His mercy, endeavour to keep it and keep in our minds that the priest would have been baffled in his ministry, would have never been able to go any further if the if those twelve loaves were interfered with and were not of those specified, they were to be without leaven, so that there was to be the elimination of that which was uh, a type of sin. They, they were to have incense, so that they were acceptable, and they were there always in order. The bread of his presence. The bread of faith. The bread that was called in our version, the showbread, the twelve. You might look at two or three references in Exodus to show that it was intended as a memorial, something to remember. Uh, look at Exodus 12.14 for this same expression. Exodus 12.14 uh, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial. See, God was going to do something for them. And there was a great Passover was to take place. But it, although it was once accomplished and never again repeated, Israel were never delivered from Egypt twice over. The Passover lamb was never offered twice over in the land of Egypt. They were out with the Red Sea behind them and the Jordan behind them, never back again. But God said, I don't mean to say that you've got to forget it. I want you to have this as a memorial. And so every year they reminded themselves of the basis of their freedom. And so the, this showbread was for a memorial. It was to remind them of something. It was to remind them that they were twelve in number. That in his purposes, not in themselves, they were unleavened. And they were on that holy table at the very entrance of the tabernacle to make it evident to the priest himself and all the people that unless there was the unity of the Spirit manifested and exhibited, service beyond that was not possible. The priest could not light the seven-branch candlestick, as it's called. Uh, you have to forgive the authorised version because candles were dominant and oil lamps were only beginning. They could write in the book that the olive oil was for the candlestick. And uh, we do the same thing today with regard to certain words which have lost their original meaning. Don't worry about that. But the priest could never get to this seven-branch candlestick and light it and ignore that table that was there before you've got to the, to the light. Don't you see, friends? No showbread, no bread of faith, no ex exhibition of these twelve tribes there in the presence of God. No witness, no light, no going further. And it would baffle the high priest too, for if that was not there, he couldn't go into the holiest of all on the Day of Atonement and make that one offering which was symbolical of our Lord's entry into the presence of God for the evidence of his great salvation. So I felt that it would be worth the while just to stress this particularly, that while we cannot bring about salvation, 
or we cannot add one member to the body of Christ. We can, by our unity, by the unity of the Spirit which we endeavour to keep, and by the fact that we remind ourselves continuously that we are members one of another, we can further and foster that witness, as I think most of us would already agree. I'm only stressing that which seems to be in this type and making it the purpose of our little gathering. Now, another thing that I think perhaps we ought to notice is that this was to be not occasional. When you look at um, Numbers, chapter 4, 7. Numbers, chapter 4, verse 7. And upon the table of showbread thou shalt spread a cloth of blue and put thereon dishes and spoons and the bowls and the covers to cover with all and the continual bread shall be thereon. You notice its name now? It's called the continual bread. If that were up there, all the dishes and spoons and gold and blue and what not were in, in vain, it's continual. If you and I become slack with regard to keeping the unity of the Spirit, by so much will the work begin to flag and fail. If we are reminded continually that we are members of one body and work in that Spirit, God himself will be able then, in his mercy, to use it in a way that would be impossible otherwise. Now don't think that I'm saying all this because I suspect that none of us here have, have any idea of this unity. We have. But it does us good, doesn't it, to face up to it and say, yes, you see, that is true. May God ever give us grace to perpetuate this spirit. It's a continual thing. And... Um, The very same word is used, I won't turn to the passage in Exodus, for the burnt offering. That was to be continual. What a thought. The twelve loaves representing the unity of the nation. Continual. The one burnt offering that made their service acceptable was to be continual. It's a, as it were, the Lord says, because I live ye shall live also. Because I am at the right hand of God, the accepted high priest of this high calling, you can be accepted in the beloved. The continual belongs to both the showbread and the offering. And then it is called, and then we are told that on this bread, in this approach, was the Pure incense. Now, incense is used in the tabernacle service as a sort of symbol of prayer, ascending to God. And we have this here. The pure incense must never be omitted. This makes the bread accepted. Without it, it would be just a loaf just an ordinary loaf that they would use in their ordinary daily meal. But that ordinary loaf, when once it's put on that golden table, 
and covered with this incense becomes trances as it were a figured. Isn't it a thought with regard to our service? What we do may be very humdrum, very necessary, not very spectacular, but all if it's if it's covered by the incense. If every word we speak and every act we do is in some measure consciously or only semi-consciously in the name of Christ, we shall not only be blessed, but we shall be then in the in the sphere of becoming a blessing to others. And so we have this stress. And when we come to our epistle to the Ephesians, it looks as though the Apostle Paul had something of this in his mind. He spoke about this church of which you and I by his mercy belong as the body of Christ. He says that that body has a head, that's Christ himself. There is no head of the church down here. The head of this body is there at the right hand of God. But we are all members. And one cannot say, I have no need of thee. One cannot say, well, my work is very important, yours can be dispensed with. No, no, he says. The smallest and feeblest member of the body is there, put there by God. And the service that is rendered is just as acceptable as the one which is most important in the eyes of man. So I felt that while I may not be able to do very much in this exposition just now, because of limitations of strength and ability and concentration and very many other things which which indicate that the old body is beginning to wear out, I did feel that I could say, look at that entrance. Look at the barrier there would be to all that that tabernacle stands for if there was only 11 loads. Or if they hadn't got the incense on them. Or if somebody forgot them to put them there. They must be there. So friends, that is my little word this morning. Go back yourselves, read the passages in Exodus and Numbers about the construction of the tabernacle and its service and ministry, and then I think you'll see that there's an association there in that gangway that leads into the presence of God, that the twelve tribes must be there represented, that the seven lamps must be lit, and there we have witness and service in connection with the tabernacle, which is in some measure a little bit like our own, only not so much in type and shadow as in reality. The Lord God unto us, that as long as he gives us grace in this little chapel and connection in connection with the service with which it stands, that Christ himself shall be ever honoured and recognised as head. But we should also remember that the head is joined to the body and that body is in direct living contact with him. And any dislocation of that body is a dislocation of Christ's body. And so, it's a blessed and gracious and holy thing for us ever to remember to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace.